Crosspoint Church's weekly sermon audio. For more information about Crosspoint, visit InsideCrosspoint.com. Amen. Can you guys hear me? Good morning. Um, it is a real joy and a privilege uh, to be preaching to you this morning. If you are visiting with us this morning, my name is Ruben Moyana. I'm one of the elders uh, here at the church. And uh, our senior pastor here is the Bread Evangelista. And he's actually not here today. He's in China visiting with family. Uh, so you guys are stuck with me this morning. Um, but in all seriousness, um, you know, it is uh, really, really uh, humbling. And I'm really thankful for this opportunity that God has given me uh, to open God's word with you today. So it is uh, our custom here at Cross Point Church to preach through the Bible expositionally. And that means that we like to study God's word uh, book by book, uh, verse by verse, uh, just to see what God's word has to, to say to us. And uh, we've been so far studying the book of Romans. That's the book we're in right now. And uh, we're actually taking a break right now from Romans. And um, we will be looking today at Philippians chapter 4. So if you guys want to start turning there, Philippians chapter 4. And I'm also going to be using Acts chapter 16 as our background text. So if you can look for those two places, uh, that would be great. And uh, I just want to say thanks to Robert uh, for preaching last week. Uh, if you do not get a chance uh, to listen to Robert preach last week, I highly encourage you uh, to listen to that. He preached from uh, Luke chapter 11, I believe, and uh, he was preaching on the Lord, uh, Lord's Prayer. So if you get a chance, I, I highly encourage you guys to listen to that. So um, again, Philippians chapter 4 is where we're going to be. Uh, this is a passage, really, that is uh, full of exhortation. Uh, it's full of encouragement uh, for God's people to stand firm in, uh, in the faith. It also encourages God's people to pray and to rejoice in the Lord. So the title of my sermon this morning is Be United, Joyful, and in Prayer. So uh, be praying for me as I, as I preach it to you. So without wasting any time, I invite you to take your Bibles again, open them to Philippians 4. If you don't have a Bible, uh, you should have a, a Bible in the chair rack in front of you. Feel free to, to take that Bible. And if you don't possess a Bible, we invite you to take that too uh, as a gift from us to you. All right, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we, are, we are blown away that you, the eternal God of the universe, in your grace, desire to know, to know us. So God, I pray now that we would, in the next few minutes, just desire to know you. So I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us this morning as we consider the truth that we find in your word this morning. Uh, we pray that you would equip us this morning. I pray that you would draw unbelievers to yourself by your spirit and through your word this morning. Would you please open the, the eyes of the spiritually blind this morning? 
Would you please nourish the hearts and the minds of those who are spiritually hungry this morning? Father, I am not clever enough to know what to say or how to say it. So God, we look up to you this morning realizing that all things come from you, that all things are through you, and that all things are to you. So help me to be faithful as I proclaim your word. And help my dear brothers and sisters and friends in here to be faithful to hear this morning. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. All right, Philippians chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia. And I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, to help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose name are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything but prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have heard, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This is God's word to us. Now, some of you guys uh, are aware that my uh, father-in-law, Edith's dad, passed away last weekend. And uh, right before Thanksgiving, he had been ill for a while. And I just want to take some time, uh, first of all, just to say thank you to those of you who were praying for us uh, as a family and uh, encouraging us as a family. We really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's never easy when you, when you lose a loved one. And um, it can certainly be a, a time of trial and uh, I realize that in this room right now that some of you guys have also experienced the same. Uh, you have lost loved ones in the past. And when that time comes, you know, you just really need encouragement and, and, and comforting words uh, that point you really to the, to the comfort and the grace and the grace of God. And this morning, uh, what I would like to do is really take some time to encourage us from God's word. So I know that, again, like I say, that there are people in here that are walking through many, many kinds of trials, sickness, sorrow, marital problems, parenting problems, relationship problems, financial problems, and all kinds of stress. And even this time of the year, if we can be, if we can be honest, 
you know, Christmas can really be a stressful time for a lot of people, unfortunately. And if we're not careful, you know, all these situations can really threaten the joy, the joy that the gospel affords us. And we need to be reminded from this text right here to rejoice in the Lord always, not only when things are going perfect and good, but to rejoice in the Lord at all times. Now, let me give you a little background information on the text here. So, the same thing was really going on with some members with this church at Philippi. Uh, there were apparently some issues here that were really threatening uh, the spiritual stability. And they were threatening the, the faith and the joy of this church. And this letter to the Philippians was written by Paul, the Apostle Paul, sometime around A.D. 60 to A.D. 62. And uh, Philippi was in, the, in one of the cities in Macedonia, which is really modern-day Greece. If you look on a map where Greece is, that's about the area that we, we are talking about. And, and what's pretty remarkable about this letter is that Paul, as he writes it, he is sitting in a Roman prison. And you would not know it if you just started reading this letter. You would not know it because this letter has got such a warm tone to it. It's such an, 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 encouraging, an encouraging letter. And you would not know that it was written by someone who is, who is uh, sitting in a prison cell. So you can see there, look in your Bibles with me. Uh, verse 10 to 20. Just how uh, even after that, after the text that we just read there, if you've got an ESV, it says God's provision on, on, the, on the top there. And uh, that section really shows us uh, Paul, Paul is, ta- is thanking the Philippians for supporting his ministry. And they, were, they had such a, a close relationship between the, the Philippians and Paul. There was such a close relationship with them. So you can actually see that as you read the letter. And uh, we also need to know that Paul had planted this church. And this was the, the, the first church that was planted in Europe uh, sometime around A.D. 50. So I told you we're going to be getting some background information from Acts chapter 16. So we'll, we'll, we'll go there and, uh, and, and, and read a little bit. So, uh, but before we go, let me, let me talk about these two ladies. So, so in the text, you hear about these two women, Euodia and Syntyche. And uh, who these two women were, you know, we don't really know uh, exactly who they were. But we know that they were apparently having some, some disagreements of some type. They were probably bickering and arguing and criticizing each other about something. And Paul really understands and he really sees that the promotion of the gospel is really a threat. You know, he sees that the promotion of the gospel is a threat, is a threat when there's a lack of unity in the church. So notice in the text what Paul does. You know, pretty much he's, he's pleading. He's pleading for these two ladies to get their minds together in the Lord. And Paul understands that what they're doing pretty much is they were fighting with each other, that they were undermining the gospel. That when there's no unity, when there's lack of unity in the church, it undermines the gospel, and also it undermines the witness of the church. And these two women had, had once worked with, with Paul in the Lord when they worked with, with Paul and Clement, but now they were not 
And these two women were once united for, for living for the cause of the gospel, but now they were not. You know, they were lacking humility, they were lacking peace, and they were threatening their own joy and the mission of the church. And this is a good reminder for us, just Christians in general, that us, you know, we, we need to be consumed with the gospel message as God's people. And we need to avoid unnecessary arguing and, and division that, that really diminishes our witness to the world, right? I'm sure Paul had these two women in mind when he was writing Philippians chapter 2, uh, a well-known verse. In Philippians chapter 2, we see this amazing passage that really talks about the humility of Christ. And, and, and Paul encourages the Philippians. He says, essentially, he's saying, guys, you need to imitate Christ. You know, you need to have a humility that is like Jesus. And he says, guys, don't be selfish. Be humble. You know, think about others as better than yourselves. Don't look at your own interests, but look at the interest of others. Be like Jesus. So that, that's what he says to them. So why does, why does Paul even do that? Like, like, why is that important? So Paul shows us that, you know, instead of focusing on, he, he really shows us that instead of focusing on, our, on ourselves, instead of focusing on our wants, we should really focus on the Lord. And, and one of the ways in which the Christians are encouraged to focus on the Lord is to rejoice. To rejoice in the Lord. And Paul, you know, he says, instead of you guys fighting and having these disagreements, you should rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. And you should really try to be reasonable with this whole situation. So look in verse 5. Look there. It says, Rejoice, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And then he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now, that word rejoice is used nine times, nine times in this letter uh, to, the, to the Philippians. And, you know, Paul, Paul really wants, well, he really wants this church to have an, an unshakable joy. A joy that is unshaken. A joy that is not affected by external circumstances. And that's why he repeats it over and over again. And uh, this is not the first time that Paul has done this. If you read some of Paul's letters, if you read uh, the book to the Corinthians, the second Corinthians chapter 13 to 11, you see this uh, passage here. It says, he says this when he finishes the letter. He says, finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace and the God of love and peace will be with you. So you can kind of almost hear like the same tone that we, we uh, heard in the book of Philippians. And then in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18, he says the same thing to a different church. He says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to, 7, uh, to 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So you see the similarities there with, you know, with, with, the, with the book of Philippians, like I said. And uh, that's what I want to do with us this morning, just to, to really encourage us, Cross Point, to, to, to rejoice in the Lord at all times, to rejoice, to be a church of a united people, 
to be a church that is overflowing with rejoicing and, and, and just being so thankful and prayerful to, to God, even when things don't make sense. Now, I want to, to show you guys a few points just from the text, looking at the Acts chapter 16 as well. So if you, if you can, I hope you, you've, you've kind of held that Acts 16. I know I've, I've been saying that for a while, so you guys can, can hold on to that. So now, keep in mind that the book of Acts is an account of how the Holy Spirit worked in the church pretty much after Jesus ascended. And uh, so we see that in Acts chapter 16, this was actually written 10 years before this letter that we just read to the Philippians was, was uh, written. So if you will, let's read starting from verse 9. Now this is Luke who's writing this. And it says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go out to, into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel. Now, what I want you guys to focus here is, is the, the last line there on verse 10. It says, and when Paul had seen the vision. So God gives Paul a vision to go and preach the, ch the church, really planting the gospel in Philippi. And it says the method, this is the method. The method was go, God, God, it said God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So we hear there that God had called him to preach the gospel and uh, people like Lydia, people like Lydia get saved in, in uh, verse 14. Uh, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart, praise God, to, to, to pay attention to what was said by Paul. So we also know that the church also consisted of people like the Philippian jailer. So when Paul and Silas are preaching the gospel, you know, not everybody is a, is a fan of what they have to say. And uh, listen to this one here from Acts chapter 16 to 20 to 24. We see how they are pretty much uh, seized. They are beaten and then they are thrown in prison. So verse 20. And when they had brought them into the magistrate, they said, These men are Jews. And they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The, the crowd joined in attacking them. And the, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them in prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely and having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Okay, so now look at verse 25. Just hear what happens. So they are preaching the gospel. And obviously, people are, they, they don't want to hear the gospel. Some people are hearing the gospel. They are being saved and they're in jail. Verse 25, after about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken, 
And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bones were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw that the prison doors were opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called out for lights and rushed in, trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And that's a very good question to ask, isn't it? What must I do to be saved? Verse 31, and they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. And some of us in here need to hear this this morning. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Verse 32, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him and, and to all who were in the house. All right, so you see there, that's how pretty much essentially the church got started in, in Philippi. You know, it was nothing rosy. And uh, Paul and Silas were essentially preaching the gospel. And it was not easy. They were facing opposition. And can you imagine being Paul and Silas, you know, being falsely accused, being attacked, being severely beaten? being thrown in jail when you don't deserve to be thrown in jail. Can you imagine? If we can be honest, how would you respond if you were, if you were them? You know, most of us would probably whine, complain, or even fight back, right? But not Paul and Silas. You know, look in verse 16. They were, I'm sorry, verse 25. It says they were, they were praying. They were praying and they were singing hymns to God. You know, they were essentially rejoicing. And this is essentially what Paul is saying to the Philippians 10 years later. He's saying, rejoice in the Lord, always rejoice. You know, he's, he's, he's just not making it up. You know, they realized that the gospel, they realized that the gospel was the most important thing. And they were willing to suffer and die for the gospel. And they rejoiced even in, in knowing that. And this is what we are all to, we, we are really... Supposed to be all about that, aren't we? You know, urging people to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Sharing the gospel, even in hard times. The gospel. You know, the gospel was the most important message for people to hear back then in AD 50. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm convinced that the gospel message is still today the most important message that people have to hear today in December 2017. So what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that even though we are sinners, you and I, we have rebelled against God, the holy and righteous God, the God who created all things. We, we have rebelled against Him. And in His mercy and in His kindness, the just and the gracious God of the universe has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, who is fully God, who is fully man. And Jesus Christ has lived a life without sin, a life essentially that you and I could not live. And yet he died a death on the cross, a substitutionary death where he died on our behalf. And why? Why did he do that? Why did Jesus do that? He did that so that those who would, who would turn from their sin and trust in what Jesus Christ has done will be reconciled to God. 
And that is the most important message. And that's how the church at Philippi got started. And so when, when Paul is talking to, to Euodia and Syntyche, he's saying, guys, stop fighting. It's not worth it. Are you forgetting the gospel? The gospel message is, is worth it all. And you're not really making it shine when you do that. So we see that even in the, in the prison cell in Acts chapter 16, Paul sees the need to share this gospel with the jailer. Why? Why would you do that? Because the gospel changes everything. The gospel, it changes everything. It, it changes how we, we interact in the church. It changes how we think. It changes what we want. We essentially become new creatures. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. So we see that we become new creatures when we've been affected with the gospel. And the gospel calls us to be united. The gospel calls us to be humble. And for Paul, this gospel was worth it. You know, he did not mind being thrown in, in jail. So, like I said, you know, Yudia and Syntyche, they were missing it. You know, they were missing it. And they were making it about themselves when it was really about the gospel. So if you are here this morning and you're the type of personality, you know, who thrives in disagreements, disunity, be reminded this message is for you. And as believers, we should make every effort to agree in the Lord and to avoid conflict that hinders the gospel. And why is that? You know, it brings us to this point here that, that, that the outward impact of the church upon the world depends upon the inward unity that fosters and promotes the gospel. Again, the outward impact, how we impact the outside world really can be hindered by how united and how much we're fostering the gospel. And bickering like Yodia and Syntyche does not do that well. And the other point that we see here, we see that they also show us that the power of the gospel and the work of the Holy Spirit is what makes believers praise God in the midst of suffering. So rejoicing in the, in, in the Lord always you know, that, that sounds foolish. If you, talk, if you go to the street and you just start talking to someone who is going through trial and say, you re rejoice in the Lord. You know, that can sound really foolish. But we need to remember that it is only by the Holy Spirit that we are able to do that. So rejoicing in the Lord is something that we do not in our own strength and power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and this is what Paul wants with the Philippians. You know, he wants them to exude this joy. And the error that you can make is to think that this joy is coming from you. And forget Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 to 25 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know, these things are a fruit of the Spirit. When God saves us and His Holy Spirit comes and, and dwells in us, this is how we get joy and this is how we're able to rejoice in God. So praise God 
that he gives us his spirit when we are saved. And that's what we celebrate this Christmas. Praise God for that. So when Paul says in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. It is the spirit of God that is making him do that. And when Paul and Silas are in prison and they are singing hymns, it is the spirit of God that are making them do that. Or may we be a people that are desperate for the Holy Spirit. Oh God, help us really to be a people that are desperate for the Holy Spirit. Now, one thing I want you guys to notice in the text there, uh, in Philippians chapter 4, just notice how that's a command given to us. It's a command to rejoice in the Lord at all times, even in the midst of suffering. So, so let me ask you a question based on the text. So, who is supposed to be the, the object of our rejoicing? The Lord, right? It says rejoice in the Lord, right? So, let's remember that. That we are rejoicing in the Lord ultimately. Ultimately, that's where we find joy. So rejoice in the God who created all things. Rejoice in the reality that he gives you breath. Rejoice in the reality that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. So are you rejoicing this morning? Have you been redeemed by, by the work of Jesus Christ if so, rejoice. You know, I'm sure a lot of us were rejoicing a lot yesterday when we were looking at our favorite football teams play. And the reality of the matter is, we, if we can be honest, we don't rejoice that much in the Lord. And we ought to. So rejoice for what He has done in our salvation. So rejoice, listen to this, rejoice, because we were dead in our sin before we were saved. The Bible says we're dead in your sin, but now we are alive in Christ. Rejoice in that. We were enslaved, but now we are enthroned and we are co-heirs with Christ. Rejoice in that. We were objects of the wrath of God, but now we are objects of the grace of God. Rejoice in that. We were walking among the disobedient and fellowshipping with the ungodly, being the ungodly. Now we are fellowshipping with Christ. Rejoice in that. We were under Satan's dominion and now we're in union with Christ Jesus. Rejoice in that. And the Bible says that we were enemies, enemies of the cross. And now we are children of God. Rejoice in that. So brothers and sisters, this, the Lord, you know, the Lord really, he has done great things for us. He has done great things for us. So let us rejoice and be glad in him, right? Now, I just want to give you like an analogy. Just imagine for just a second that you have committed an offense and you are in a courtroom and the judge is about to render his verdict. And, 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 and you know, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that you're guilty. But the judge says, I know, I know you're guilty. I know you deserve the death penalty. And you know you deserve the, the death penalty. But I am going to let you go. You would certainly rejoice in that, right? 
So, so, so just think in a much more infinitely greater way. Infinitely greater way the Christian has been declared not guilty by God. You know, the death sentence has been taken away for you, Christian. You are free from the penalty of sin. And that is a, a big, good reason for us, you know, to rejoice. Now, I realize that, you know, we don't always feel like it. You know, we don't always feel like rejoicing. Probably Paul and Silas, when they were beaten, did not feel like rejoicing. They probably felt like, if you have ever read the book of Habakkuk, I don't know if I say that right, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vine. He's praying as he says this. Though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food. Though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stores. Yet, I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Let that encourage you this morning. That even though things are not going on the way I want them to, I choose to rejoice. You know, I, I was uh, in South Sudan in 2012. And uh, South Sudan, if you're aware if, of the history there, they, they, it's a, it's, it's a war-torn country. And we were doing dentistry mi missions, and I was preaching. I preached there one time, and I remember talking to a young man. Uh, his name was Repent. And uh, I said, repent. You know, he, he always had this grin on his face. Uh, I, I wished I could just take a picture of him and put him on my website as advertisement. And uh, I, say, I, say, I say, repent. I say, why? Why do you look so joyful at all times? And you know what he said to me? He said, you know, I have witnessed a lot. I have witnessed a lot. When I was a little boy, I saw the militia come to our village and they shot my mom and dad in front of me. You know, we're, we're poor. We don't have a whole lot. But you know, one thing that this has done for us, it has really allowed us to really focus on God. It's like the only thing that gives us hope is, is God. And he had this line that he would say. He kept saying, God is greater than our troubles. I remember him saying that over and over again. And that was a good reminder for me. And, and that leads us to the next point here, that, that worry, anxiety, and a lack of prayer, it can really prevent believers from being able to rejoice. So we don't need to worry. We don't need to be anxious. We don't need to be a prayerless people. Because those things rob us of the joy and the peace that is promised in Christ Jesus. So brothers and sisters, don't let worry and, and, and sin and anxiety rob you of the glory of God. So listen to these words uh, from Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious. This is Jesus talking. Do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? 
For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So cross point, let us not be an anxious people. You know, when we worry and when we are anxious, you know, it is really like a sign and a symptom that we don't believe that God is who he says he is and that he does what he says he will do. And let us remember also to focus not on earthly, temporal things, but really have eternal perspective in everything. I mean, you got to ask yourself the question, you know, what is really going to matter five years from now, 10 years from now, 100 years from now, a billion years from now? If you look in your Bibles uh, in Philippians, right before the passage in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, it says that, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a big deal. Why is it a big deal? Because we will be in the presence of God. And we will experience the fullness of God. Listen, this is uh, Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So be encouraged. If you're discouraged, anxious, sad, sorrowful, what is the thing that we ultimately put our hope in? You know, even as we were burying my father-in-law last weekend, I, I kept asking myself, I say, you know, what is it that makes us sing with joy at a funeral? You know, it is the joy that comes from Jesus Christ. It is the joy of knowing that one day Jesus Christ will wipe away all our tears and death shall be no more. The Heidelberg Catechism, the very first question in the Heidelberg Catechism asks the question, it says, what is thy only comfort in life and death? What is your comfort? And the answer is that I, with body and soul, both in life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood has fully satisfied for all my sins and redeemed me from all the power of the devil and so preserves me that without the will of my Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head. Yea, that all things must work together for my salvation. Whereof, I love that language, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready to, and henceforth to live unto him. So praise God and let us be a joyful people for these realities. So Christian, let, 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 let's remember and be comforted that ultimately that one day for eternity for the Christian, if you are saved, 
We will dwell with God. We will have the fullness of joy. There will be no more cancer. There will be no more heart disease. No more relationship conflicts. No more anxiety. No more broken marriages. No more death. No more. And we will truly rejoice. Truly rejoice. We will truly know what joy is for all eternity. Listen to these words of prophecy from Revelation, Revelation chapter 21, verse 3 to 4. It says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, no crying, no pain, for the former things have passed away. So that is what makes you sing joyfully at a funeral. And this is quite remarkable. That, that the, the most comforting thing, if you're, really, if you're really following me, ultimately, is the reality that the believer will be with God. That should comfort us. That should encourage us. Instead of worrying about issues of life. You know, God is so gracious to us. He even, he even makes himself available to us through prayer. We have access to God. My dear friends, you know, God is always available to us. You know, when we are faced with affliction and sorrow, may the first thing that we do be to pray. Not go to, to post it on Facebook and complain about it, but pray. Pray to the God who is sovereign over it all. You know, prayer should not be our last resort. You know, some people say, oh, when all else fails, pray. But, you know, prayer should always be our first resort. Do you guys realize that? That we've got the ability to talk to the majestic creator of the universe anytime. The one who sustains life. The one who's holding even the rhythm of your heart right now. He's, he can listen. He's listening to us. You know, sometimes I try to, to get my little five and six, seven-year-olds to listen to me. And I'm a dentist, and I have to bribe them with candy for them to listen to me. <laughs> Go figure that one out, right? <laughs> like, like, hey, hey, can I get your attention? I'm a dentist. I really feel bad. Here's candy. You want to listen to me now? I, 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 I know. In all seriousness, though, you know, God, God is available to us. You know, he does not need to be bribed. He, he, he's always available to us. So may we be a people that are quick to get on our knees and plead before him. And so uh, the next thing here, my other point that I have is that since, since God is available to us in prayer, you know, we ought to also be a people that rejoice in the Lord why? Why would you do that? Because he loves us. Right? He loves us. And also because it is an expression of our love to him. 
And Paul, you know, the Apostle Paul is the one who writes, who writes this. He's also the same guy who wrote Romans chapter 8, verse 35, and he knew this. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And we should rejoice over that. Let us rejoice that God infinitely loves us. You know, there's no one who loves you, Christian, more than God. Not even your spouse. Not even your mom. You know, every, every night before I go to bed, I always ask my girls, after we put them to bed, the last thing I say to them when I close their door, I say, do you know how much daddy loves you? And they always say, yes, a whole lot. And you know what? Jesus loves us more than a whole lot. He loves us to infinity. We, we can never know the, the love of God. Romans tells us that God shows his love to us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's how much he loved us while we were still sinners. Now, the, the thing to remember, too, is that, you know, our problems don't, don't necessarily go away when we become Christians. But the comforting thing to remember is that the, God's love for us also does not go away when we become Christians. And if you look in the book of Psalms, like, I, I love reading the Psalms. And if you ever pay attention, anytime the word love is mentioned in the Psalms, usually in, in most places, it's described as a steadfast love. And that is a good thing to remember, that God's love is a steadfast love. So let that, knowing all that, knowing that God loves you, let that make us be a thankful people. Believers, we should constantly express a gratitude in our prayers. A gratitude to God. You know, that means we come to God with thanksgiving. It means that in our prayers, we, we, we thank God for who He is and what He has done for us. So let us be thankful that the sovereign God, again, of the universe, in His love and mercy, has saved us from an eternal wrath. So look with me again in verse uh, 6 uh, in Philippians there. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, but prayer and supplication. With what? Thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. So how we need to be reminded of this? You know, to be thankful when we pray, even in our suffering, to be thankful to God that He's always good. And the neat thing about it is that the Bible says that when we are thankful in prayer, that God ultimately gives us peace. It says, a peace that surpasses all understanding. You know, that's the opposite of worry and anxiety, right? A peace that surpasses all understanding. A peace that will guide your mind. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then all of a sudden, being plagued with worry and anxiety, God gives you that peace. But notice that it does not say that when you pray, all your bad situations are going to go away. It doesn't say that, does it? But that you will have the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. And it will guide your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul probably knows that there's a tendency in, for our hearts and our minds to not be guarded when we experience trials. You know, we are prone to wander. We are prone to be anxious. And Paul says, verse 
8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. But you know what? We, 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 cannot, we cannot think like this if we give all our attention to Netflix. We cannot think like this if we give all our attention to pop culture. But God in his grace can certainly help us to think like this if we open up the word and meditate on the scriptures. So... Uh, I'm sorry, I lost my place here. Okay, here we go. So again, look at that. Philippians chapter uh, 6, chapter 4, I'm sorry. Okay. So uh, pretty much when you look at that list, God says think about those things. Things that are pure, things that are right, things that are admirable. He says think about those things, right? Some of you guys may say, well... I don't know what to think about, right? But let me ask you a question. Who or what embodies all those things? Christ, right? Think about Jesus. For he's all these things, right? He is honorable. He is true. He's pure. He's lovely. He's commendable. And he's, he's got perfect moral excellence. And he's praiseworthy. And, and verse 9 is a good reminder for us. Good reminder, he says, what you've learned and received and heard, practice these things. So let us be a people that practice, let us be a people that practice what God teaches us in his word. Let us not be a people that just know our theology and our doctrine. It is very possible to have good doctrine and shun, and shun obeying and practicing what the word of God tells us. You know, in Luke chapter 11, verse 29, Jesus says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And I hope, you know, you've been encouraged by all this, but you may still be here and say, well, I'm, I'm still discouraged. So let, 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 me, let me invite you again to look at, at the last line in uh, verse 9 there in your Bibles. It says, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So let I promise you, remember what I said, he says, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Again, I've said it before, the most comforting thing is that God gives us himself. He does. He gives us himself. And, it, and also, you know, we can really miss the reality that this is a conditional promise. It's a conditional promise. It is like when I talk to my kids and I say, Okay, Jada, Joy, eat your breakfast and then you can have dessert. But most times, they don't want the, the dinner. They just want the dessert. And we do the same thing with God. You know, we, we would rather experience the peace of God, God's presence, and not really want to obey His word. So by God's grace and by God's Holy Spirit, and not for the sake of being legalistic, but the sake of the glory of God. Let us be a people that want to obey his word. But you see, the promise says that the God of peace will be with you. 
So you may walk through marriage problems, but the God of peace will be with you. Students, you may face hardships, uncertainty, and temptation, but the God of peace will be with you. Singles, you may get lonely at times, but the God of peace will be with you. Moms and dads, parenting can get really, really, really hard sometimes, but the God of peace will be with you. In sickness and in health, in sorrow and in pain, the God of peace will be with you. And on that day, when you take your last breath, Christian, the God of peace will be with you. And let that, let that comfort you. But you know, what's really amazing to me though, is yes, when we take our very last breath, the God of peace will be with you. But what's also amazing to me personally is this reality that when we take our last breath and we are in heaven, we will dwell with God forever. And in his presence, there is fullness of joy. So as I, as I close this morning, I would like to read the words from this old hymn. Pay attention to the, wor- to the words here. Uh, if I could sing it, I would, but I would probably embarrass my wife. So uh, <laughs> let me uh, go ahead and uh, read these words from this hymn. The hymn is by a gentleman called Ron Hamilton. It's called Rejoice in the Lord. God never moves without purpose or plan. When trying his servant and molding a man, give thanks to the Lord, though your testing seems long. In darkness he giveth a song. I could not see through the shadows ahead, so I looked at the cross of my Savior instead. I bowed to the will of my master that day, Then peace came and tears fled away. Now I can see testing comes from above. God strengthens his children and purges in love. My father knows best and I trust in his care. Through purging, more fruit I will bear. Oh, rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistake. He knoweth the end of each path I take. For when I am tried and purified, I shall come forth as gold. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we adore you. Father, you are so, so good to us. So we thank you for this word that you have given us this morning. Lord, I pray. I pray and I plead with you that this preaching would not be in vain. So may your Holy Spirit, may your Holy Spirit, Lord, do the work that I cannot do of affecting you, the hearts of the hearers. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a joyful people, to be a thankful people. Father, I ask that you would save unbelievers this day. I pray that by your word you you have equipped us, equip your saints from falling. Father, thank you that we can say surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
And we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.